This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the Academy Show. I'm your host Mo Stewart and I'm joined once again by Matt Addison. Now there may not be a lot of games for the youth teams at this stage of the season but just like everywhere else in the world of Liverpool Football Club there's been a lot going on. We've had new signings, we've had big games, we've had transfer rumours as well. So Matt and I are going to be going through all of that but as an extra treat for you this week we've got a special guest coming up. Uh, the new signing I mentioned, Ben Doak, comes from Celtic and we've managed to get a Celtic reporter, Owen Brown, to come on to tell us all about him. But Matt, it's exciting times for these young lads. Like I said, this feel-good factor is running all the way through the club. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the new recruits is, is something that we see every season, if we're being honest. Obviously, there's a different sort of theme this season with it being lots of, of British players, because obviously mm. we've spoken about the, the Brexit regulations and, and all of that kind of thing in the past. But yeah, exciting times and looking forward to, to getting some insight into him, because I'm sure, like myself, not many of the, the listeners mm. and, and viewers will know much, if anything, about him and be interested to, to kind of see what kind of, of a player we can expect. Well, having spoke to him, I'm already excited and I know the rest of you will be. So I won't waste too much time before we get back into that. But you mentioned Brexit regulations and they kind of come into play with the other player that we're going to be discussing today. Uh, Northern Irishman Trent Cohn doherty who we look to have made a, a, a deal for for next season. So we'll be discussing him later in the show. And of course, we'll be going through the recent results. Any of you who watched the last show will know that we were looking at the UEFA Youth League quarterfinal against Juventus. So we'll let you know how that got on. And uh, there was a cameo from one of our first team stars for the under-23s recently. So we'll be talking about that. And obviously, Matt has his one to watch. But without further ado, let us get straight into it. My interview with Owen Brown of the Celtic Way, all about our brand new superstar from Scotland, Ben Doak. I am delighted to be joined right now by Owen Brown, uh, Celtic reporter on the Celtic Way, uh, the Young Team podcast of Young Scots. Uh, there's surely much more things that you're doing. Do you want to let us know everything in case I leave anything out? I think that's a good um, kind of summation, Mo. I do a bit of writing on Celtic for a website called The Celtic Way using stats from StatsBomb, really good data analytics. And as you mentioned, also keep a keen eye on young Scottish players with my The Young Team newsletter those are the two kind of things i'm most proud of at the moment thanks so you will be chock full of ben doak on both of those scores then so you are the perfect person to speak to about our new scottish wonder now some people will have heard a lot about him through reports would have seen that it's a big coup for liverpool to get a player of this stature but they won't know necessarily a lot about the play himself so what kind of player have we got on our books now it's been reported that he's played like fullback he's played winger but then he's also scoring hat-tricks for Scotland under-17. So, I mean, fill us in a little bit more about Ben Doak, the player. Yeah, absolutely, Mo. Um, well, an attacker, really. So, plays right wing at the moment, really, for um, both Celtic and uh, Scotland. I think he's the type of player that would be ultimately potentially capable of playing across the front line, which I know is something that Liverpool you know, value for the first team and certainly from my understanding for the academy as well. Um, but generally... Um, for Celtic, he would play as a right winger. They use a 4-3-3 system. Um, the kind of principles of Ange Postacoglu have been filtered down throughout the Celtic B team and the youth team. Um, so he'd be the, the right-sided winger in that kind of setup. 
they they use a, a system, a kind of modern one, maybe similar to Liverpool, in that you know two centre backs, um, the kind of full backs, for them push into the middle rather than kind of wide, um, and then there's you know kind of one midfielder that keeps at the base with those three, and then five kind of with freedom to attack, but the the wingers stay very wide, try and isolate the full back. so that's the kind of role that Doak has for them and similarly for Scotland he might play as a wide right in a 4-2-3-1 uh, recently they started a game in a 5-3-2 and he played as the right-sided forward up front mm-hmm. um, but basically an attacker um, I don't think that he'll end up as a fullback at all if you've seen that Wikipedia or whatever I would disregard that information <laughs> um, his his attributes are basically all geared up for, for attacking so um, pace is the main thing you'll notice about him exceptional acceleration but also really good top speed and stamina um, his size is kind of intriguing because he's not tall. Uh, he's kind of stocky, but he has a strong upper half. So he's pretty good at receiving the ball with his back to goal and you know shielding and, and turning a defender. He's also pretty good at riding the sort of rough challenges that we maybe get up here um, in the north of the UK. Um, so he's he's pretty robust for a winger. You know, he's not the kind of um, shy and retiring yeah. um, kind of tricksy uh, type guy. And, and finally, I would say the other kind of main asset is his directness. So he always wants to go direct towards goal and impact the game. Um, he dribbles a lot, but his dribbles tend to be based off acceleration and anticipation. Um, I would say more efficiency than tricky. And I think that maybe again kind of fits into Liverpool style in that, you know, it, it's with an output, it's with a purpose, what he does. Mm. And that's about, you know, getting through balls, getting um, shots off inside the box, things like that. Yeah. See, these are all things that will be music to Liverpool fans' ears. You are building the the identity of exactly the kind of player we hope to cut in. Now, is there a current player out there who you could compare him to? Obviously, he's still a very young man, but just in terms of stylistically, can you tell who he's been watching most on YouTube when he's been growing up? Well, I mean, if you want music to your ears as Liverpool fans, this is one where I don't want to be creating too any kind of unrealistic headlines, but it's Mo Salah, really, for me. Um, looking at the kind of the stature, the the kind of physique where he has this uh, kind of upper body strength um, to be able to shrug off defenders, not the kind of superhuman uh, muscular build quite yet that Salah has, um, and, and obviously not the level of uh, acceleration and, and trickery and, and eye for goal, but there are similarities there uh, in terms of physique and style on the ball and the things he wants to do on the pitch. Um, so that that's the person I would maybe say is most similar. And I hope he can reach that kind of height rather than the other one that I would maybe say from a local perspective is maybe Shakiri, um, mm-hmm. another person that physically is is a little bit of a match and, and kind of stylistically. So th- those would be two to, to maybe consider, I guess. Well, obviously we know he's a young man, but yeah, that is a very exciting prospect, particularly considering he's going to have the chance to learn at the feet of the master for quite some time as well so um he's had some first team experience for Celtic he got I believe he's had two senior appearances but once it became clear that he wasn't looking to sign a new deal at Celtic he he kind of was moved back to the youth team understandable from Ante Postoglu sorry are Celtic disappointed to see him go so soon I mean I understand to a certain extent that when clubs with the bigger clubs from the Champions League come calling it's hard to hold on to them but they would have been hoping to get a little bit more um, time with him, surely. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be a disappointment. And I think this is part of maybe a bigger picture um, for Celtic, Mo. Um, so in recent years, Celtic have lost Barry Hepburn, similar sort of role played by him as um, Ben Doak to Bayern Munich. And also Liam Morrison, a centre-back, went at the same time um, to Bayern Munich. Josh Adam, a young attacking playmaker, went to Manchester City relatively recently as well. And when Brendan Rodgers, obviously familiar to you all as Liverpool fans, left Celtic to go to Leicester City, I think as well as that being a blow, there was a concern that maybe some of the youth team products might be tempted to go down there too. So it's part of a kind of bigger picture. Um, and I think that um, there's not exactly been an exodus of talent. And, you you know, you have to be kind of mindful of the fact to Celtic that you operate, as you said, in a world where, you know, there's going to be appeal from clubs that are bigger than you um, financially and, and, you know, Champions League and so on. But um, I, I think it's still got to be a concern. It's a little bit of a double-edged sword at the moment as well for Celtic because they've had this um, quirk this season where their B team, which is an under-21 team, has been playing in the fifth tier of Scottish football, so against adults. And mm -hmm. maybe that's been good for player development, but also maybe it means that there's more eyes on those players. So maybe, you know, scouts are more <laughs> ready to pick things off. So um, these are all kind of quirky things to consider. And then the further disappointment, I guess, is that this is a type of club, and I guess it's similar to Liverpool in a way, although Liverpool operating at a higher level now, where um, you know there's there's a desire to have one or two local kids in the team, mm -hmm. you know, that make it to the first team. Of course, famously, you know, Celtic won the European Cup, the Lives and Lions, with no players from out with a thirty mile radius of Celtic Park in their team, you know, and and that's the sort of mythology that still persists within the club, um, and I, I think that means that the club can be sanguine and realistic about this the fans will be pretty disappointed mm. I think you, you're right though in to, to mention that kind of identity with the youth team because I do believe that's one of the reasons why Ben Doak chose Liverpool because there were more lucrative offers from elsewhere but if there's one thing you can say about Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool there is definitely a pathway from the youth team into the senior side and Ben Doak believes that he will be the next one on that rank yeah, Mo. I think from Jurgen Klopp's ability to find pathways into the, the first team and also I think these things are now, well, they seem for me at least to be structural at Liverpool. Um, you know, the quality of coaching at every level, the plans they'll have laid out for him, the existence of all sorts of support to enable him to basically become the best version of himself possible. So I think that combination of it being a kind of analytical super club, but also maybe in the fact that it's it's a city that's somewhat comparable to Glasgow. The club yeah. has historical footballing links to Scotland. These will all have been factors. And I think from my understanding of Doak, um, and my limited interactions with his family is that, you know, this is a, a grounded and a nice family. They have footballing history. So Doak's grandfather, uh, Martin, was a footballer as well. Oh, but wow. he played at a lower level. So he was a pro, but he played for Greenock Martin in Scotland in two spells, um, punctuated by a season in Australia. So maybe the reality of that and having experience at a, a lower level than Celtic and certainly Liverpool means there's a bit of, you know, family knowledge about the, the kind of, the weight on his shoulders in terms of making it the, and what he can gain from being at Liverpool. And, and yeah, I, I think you're right in terms of pointing to the fact that um, the, the the prospect and the, the type of club he's landing at and the idea of you know Klopp and the pathway to first team minutes has to be a, a positive for him. Well, uh, I can guarantee you that he's probably already met Kenny Dalglish by now and <laughs> very much welcomed into the former Celtic Man family. Uh, okay, so final question. Just in trying to get an idea of a gauge of where he lies within 
recent Celtic Academy graduates. You mentioned Ben Hepburn there, but I'm thinking obviously Liverpool fans be more aware of the likes of James Forrest and Kieran Tierney, who obviously spent more time at Celtic, but then have since developed into top players. Do you think he has a potential to be in and amongst that level, do you think? Yeah, I think his ceiling is really, really high. You know, there's lots of really good signs with Doak um, from the things that we've seen on the pitch recently. I was at the Scotland Under-17 um, Euro uh, qualification game against Czech Republic recently, and he absolutely willed Scotland over the line. You know, his, his skills and his personality are all there to kind of make it. It's very difficult to judge. You know, there's obviously examples like Tierney, who's gone on to good things, uh, and Forrest. But even in those, you know, James Forrest, for example, had a, a stellar youth career and debuted uh, for Celtic, you know, 12 years ago almost. However, he, you might argue he didn't really make an impact in a massive way on the first team until his mid-20s. Um, and then there's the kind of cautionary tales of people like Karamoko Debele, whose career has kind of stalled at Celtic a little bit, partially due to injury, but also just maybe his size not filling out in the way people hoped. So um, it, it's it's tough to judge, right? But I do think that Ben Doak has all the physical attributes and um, seems like in terms of personality, leadership, he's a very kind of, use a Scottish word, gallus. Um, so gallus kind of has a, a meaning that you're you're bold, um, but in a merited and kind of cheekily expressed uh, way of, of being self-confident. He has that kind of leadership and self-belief. And I, I think that, you know, if there is a, there are many good prospects in Celtics Academy at the moment, but he's one that I can see as being a real good stylistic fit for Liverpool. And I think as much as this is disappointing for the club and fans at this end, it's it's a move that kind of makes sense. Wow. As I said, that is all music to Liverpool fans' ears. I think we've found ourselves a little gem here. Owen, thank you for giving us the lowdown on it. And uh, once again, apologies to the Celtic family for stealing such a talent <laughs> from you. There's more in the pub- pipeline. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. A big thank you to Owen there for giving us all a lot of insight into what we can expect and hopefully not into putting too much pressure on the young boy's shoulders, but I think we're all going to be certainly paying attention when he first puts on the red shirt. Now, Matt, let's come on to the other guy we mentioned at the top of the show, Trent Cohn-Doherty. Uh, Liverpool looked to... Stolen a march on, amongst other teams, Celtic, but also both sides of Manchester who were looking at this boy. He's clearly highly rated. Uh, looks like he plays more on the left side compared to Bendoku, who's more of a right-sided player. Uh, what else do we know about him? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Obviously, uh, a double-barrel surname and his first name is Trent, so no pressure there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think the plan will be to, to get a few of, of these kids in. I think we've seen it um, over the, the last few seasons. We've seen sort of different players come in. It's kind of at the similar kind of stage, I would say, to, to Stefan Bicetic that we've spoken about in the past, where obviously he came in from from Spain just before the uh, the Brexit deadline. But it, it's kind of a similar sort of age. He's only fifteen, Trent. So it's uh, it's probably one of those where you could see him having a, a good few months, maybe with the the under sixteens, and and then taking that step up. But having said that, you know, having seen a, a little bit of uh, of him. Um, obviously just researching him, given that, that Liverpool seem to, to have signed him, like you say, tends to play off the left-hand side. But I think it's it's fair to say he's, he's probably one of those that, that falls into that versatile category of mm-hmm. probably him, Ben Doak. You look at someone like Kate Gordon, Mosilovsky. There's, there's kind of this group of players now, isn't there, that we've spoken about in the past where, OK, he probably 
mainly will play off the left, but he can play in, in other positions as well. And obviously that's something that, that Liverpool are, are very keen on. Uh, I think probably for two reasons. One is that it gives them probably the most opportunities to, to get into the first team in terms of if you can play more than one position, obviously that's you know more chances. But also you look at the attackers that Liverpool have got, obviously Salah tends to play off the right. You look at someone like Firmino who can only play really through the middle. But generally speaking, what Liverpool look to now is is someone like a Jota or even Luis Diaz in the, the early period of, of his Liverpool career. We've seen him play on the left. We've seen him play through the middle as well. So, yeah, that versatility, I think, is is something that across all age groups Liverpool are looking at. And from the limited amount that I have seen of Trent Congoity, it, it kind of seems like he would probably fit into that category as well. I mean, it does make sense from everybody's point of view. From the point of view of the club, obviously, what normally happens with the younger players, if there's maybe an early domestic cup game or maybe a few injuries and there's players who can adapt and maybe work in different positions, then you're more likely to get elevated to the next team. But also from the player's point of view, if you can be adaptable as a young player, even if it doesn't work out for you at Liverpool, when you're going on to the next stage of your career, having that adaptability is definitely going to add a string to their bow. Yeah, it just helps you become a, a rounded player, doesn't it? I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about relatively small sums as well here, something like 150000 in terms of, of the compensation to, to bring him across to Liverpool. So I think for Liverpool, it makes sense in that regard as well that, Probably if you keep him for a few seasons, he's either going to make it or you can sell him for, for a lot more than what you bought him for. So it, it's one of those where I think, obviously, you hope that one or two of these players that, that fell into that kind of versatile attacking player type thing, you'd hope that one or two of them make it. But even if they don't, it's it, it's no risk all round, really. So, no. yeah, it's a, it's a strategy that, that makes a lot of sense. I'm sure a lot of people will get very excited about these two players. Ben Boak seems to to have the, the bigger reputation coming in, but I know obviously Trent's got a big reputation mm. within you know people who've, who've been watching him coming through in Ireland as well. So, yeah, we, we don't want to put too much pressure on them. There is... Um, there's always a bit of a buzz, isn't there, when, when Liverpool make mm. new signings, but I think it will be a case of being in in and around Kirby for the next sort of yes. season at least bedding themselves in getting used to, to playing um, at Liverpool obviously a much bigger club than and certainly what Trent has been playing in, in in Northern Ireland for Derry City so it'll take a bit of time to adapt I don't think we should expect to to see too much of them just yet don't mm. expect to, to kind of see them bursting onto the scene immediately or being involved in pre-season or anything but yeah, it'd be interesting to, to be able to, to keep an eye on them over the next few months and, and years, hopefully. I think the, the way that our group functions at the moment, both uh, under 18 and under 23s and even below, is that once you get someone into the system and they begin to develop, that's when you can really start to make the assessment. But <clears throat> unlike you, I've kind of looked at a few clips on YouTube and he looks like he's got great acceleration tenacious in the tackle probably needs to work on his decision making but I think you'll find that with four players at that age or cross but yeah definitely something for the Liverpool to work with that's for sure now we mentioned at the top of the show and on the last show the Liverpool were in quarter final action in the UEFA Youth League for the under 18s normally the under 19s for the competition unfortunately Matt it didn't go Liverpool's way we kind of hinted that it would take a big effort to overturn the Italians on their own pitch. It didn't quite work out that way. Yeah, it didn't quite happen, did it? I mean, Liverpool have, have done well to, to get to this stage. I think there was a couple of injuries that are worth mentioning. Not quite sure what has 
uh, stop Kay Gordon playing for, for the last few weeks, but it's been a while since we've seen him. So there's, there's obviously something not quite right with him at the moment. He's obviously been a, a significant miss, as you'd expect. Mateusz Musielowski as well had something minor. He's had a good few of those of, of late. It, it just seems to be he plays and then he gets injured and then he plays and then he gets injured. It, it just seems to, to be a bit of a cycle now. I know he's come back since this game and has played a game, but it does seem that he just can't quite get into to that rhythm really at the moment of, of playing games. So it was kind of a little bit of a makeshift Liverpool team. It, it saw Isaac Mabaya, which we've spoken about in, in yeah. previous shows. I think he was possibly one to watch and, and the last show, maybe the, the show before that. But what we've tended to see him doing is, is playing really, really well as a right back, playing well as well as a, a kind of number six in, in a midfield pivot. He ended up playing on the, the right-hand side of a front three just because there wasn't really anybody else. So... It wasn't a Liverpool team that you'd want to, to put out there for, for this kind of game. I thought they did okay, actually. I thought Isaac did pretty well, considering he was was playing out of position. But yeah, Juventus in the end just had too much for Liverpool, and yeah, it was uh, it was unfortunate. I think we've seen that a few times actually this season, where there's been there's been certain results that they just haven't had the the, the key players on the pitch at the right yeah. time, and it, it's just not quite gone their way. So yeah. Frustrating, but they've done well to, to get to that point. In the Definitely. I mean, as we always say with these youth teams, the results aren't always the be-all and end-all. And when you have such mitigating circumstances to bring into it, obviously that's going to come into it. But I do think the performance, they were able to hold out a very strong Italian team it's for an hour. Then it was one of the cases where they scored twice in five minutes, lost the game 2-0. So very much credit to take from the game itself, the performance and the run. And um, you hope that it's something that they can take forward into next season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's we seem to say that a lot, don't we? It's about the <laughs> development. It's about the experience. It would have been nice to have the results as well. It would have been nice, obviously, to go through to, to that semi-final and, and the final, which take place in the space of, of just a few days. But yeah, Liverpool will have another go at that competition next season. I think it's... Um, Obviously not the biggest benefit, far from it, in terms of Liverpool getting into the Champions League, but it does have that trickle-down effect and it obviously means that the under-19s can play in the Youth League, which you know mm. we, we've spoken plenty about it. Harvey Elliott, who we're going to come on to in just a second, has, has benefited from it. There's been you know plenty of, of others that have benefited as well. So, yeah, wasn't the right result, but still plenty of positives, I think, to, to take. And that's the other crucial thing to remember about all this. It's not down to these boys to decide whether they not get to play in the competition next year. It's the seniors qualifying who decide who gets to play in the group stage. So, yeah, they won't have to worry about this performance knocking them out or anything like that. So they'll come again, as I'm sure they will. Now, you mentioned Harvey Elliott. He was involved in the most recent under-23 game. Uh, it happened on Saturday morning, just hours before, I believe, the Liverpool play took on Watford against Chelsea. Um, we mentioned on the previous show that the under-23s had that trio of games against the top sides, Spurs, uh, Manchester City and Chelsea. They managed to remain unbeaten through those three, Matt. So uh, along with getting Harvey down there to kind of play alongside them, they should all be feeling pretty good about themselves as well. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a good few games, hasn't it? There's been a fair few goals at youth level. There was the 5-5 the five five with Manchester United, which is, is one that, that sticks out. There's been there's been some good games recently and yeah it's it, it's kind of at that point in the season where Liverpool don't have loads to play for obviously we've spoken about the youth league we've spoken in previous um, episodes about kind of what happened in the FA Youth Cup that didn't quite go their way it's it's kind of the pressure is off now it's it's more a case of of individual performances that the way that the the, the players kind of 
acquit themselves in these games. But yeah, it's always good to, to have a few decent tests back to back. And I think at, at youth level, it's not always the most competitive. But when you've got Manchester United, you've got Chelsea, I think there's been Manchester City in there as well recently. I think, you know, those are the games where you get the, the benefits and, and you can really see who stands out. And yeah, I'm sure we're going to talk about Harvey, but he was, was certainly one of those that stood out on Saturday. Were you surprised to see him in the team? Obviously, he himself would have been hoping to make the bench for the Watford game, but obviously Klopp had other men in mind. But with that decision being made, do you see it as a good thing that he was able to go and get some game time rather than just knocking around, sitting around behind, watching the action? Yeah, when I saw his name was was on the team sheet, I mean, it, it was a bit of a surprise. I think that the game uh, in Kirby kicked off about half an hour before the, the Liverpool game, so... I haven't actually seen it, but was was sort of keeping um, a, a track on it from from a distance at, at the time. But yeah, it, it was a slight surprise. But at the same time, I, I wonder even whether Harvey has, has kind of put the idea out there. He quite liked it to go and play once he knew that he wasn't going to get on the bench for Liverpool, which I think it, it probably won't be the last time this season that that happens just because no. of the number of, of players that they've got. I mean, it does kind of, of make sense. I think he does need the minutes. I think that there's not really going to be any complaints from him. I think he's he's just a player that that wants to to play, wants to to be in in the thick of the action, and th- there could still be at senior level a, a big moment for him before the end of, of this season. We've seen him play in in so many of, of the big games for Liverpool. You think of being thrown in against Chelsea, played his part, of course, in the, the Carabao Cup final as well. I mean, I think he just needed the minutes. I think that was was kind of the the, the reason for that obviously goes down and, and gets 45, that would kind of back that up. I think the fact that he came off at half-time suggests it was probably the, the kind of premeditated idea that that's what yeah. was going to happen. Already by that point, had, I think, hit the crossbar and, and set up one of, of the Liverpool goals. So, obviously, played pretty well, did need the minutes. It won't do him any harm in terms of, mm-hmm. of his sharpness. And, yeah, I, I think, look, Harvey Elliott isn't going to play for the under-23s most weeks. But if there was a choice between sitting in the stands at Anfield or, or playing in this one, I think there's there's a clear winner there in terms yeah. of, of which was most important. And it, it speaks to the attitude of the boy as well. He just wants to play as much as possible. And I'm really impressed by the attitude and the maturity because you see sometimes younger players, once they get into the first team, they don't really want to feel like they're taking any backward steps. But with Harvey, you do get the impression that He's just a boy who wants to play football and wants to learn and develop every time he's on the pitch. And uh, considering he literally just turned 19 yesterday, happy birthday, Harvey, by the way. Uh, again, I think it's a really good sign for the future and how he, he he views his place in the pecking order. Yeah, I mean, having only just turned 19, that's where he should be anyway, isn't it? I mean, it, he, he shouldn't be expecting to be in the Liverpool first team, but that's just the, the quality and we know the, the ability that he's got and, like I say, I'm sure there'll be you know plenty more appearances for him at, at senior level to, to come before the end of this season. I think there's there's enough games to, to mm-hmm. still make you think that that will be the case. But yeah, I mean, listen, at one point this season, it was a surprise that he's even come back and, and played and looks fit again, given the injury that he had. So I think it's it, it's a case of, of Liverpool just doing the sensible thing. They've got so many options. He wasn't going to be needed against Watford. I'm pretty sure he'll probably be in the, the Champions League squad for, for Benfica mm. because obviously more subs, bigger bench and, and all of that kind of thing. But yeah, there's there's no doubt the attitude of him, uh, 
Ben Botchak, who, who works with us on, on Liverpool.com, spoke to, to someone who was there and, and did watch the game. And he said, you know, he was was happy and, and smiling and obviously delighted to be there. It wasn't really, it wasn't really a demotion. It was just no. an opportunity to go and play against Chelsea, who is is one of Liverpool's biggest games at, at that level. So yeah, I'm sure he enjoyed it. It will have been beneficial and like I say, I would expect him to be on the bench for, for Liverpool against Benfica. And a nice treat for anyone who made the effort to go down and watch the game as well, I think, getting to see the young boy in the flesh. Now, let's round out the show the way we always do with your one to watch, Matt. Now, we've been through quite a few over the course of the season, but I know you, I know you've got another one up your sleeve. I do, yeah. Um partly because that's the format of the show and, and partly because <laughs> um, uh, Callum Scanlon has, has been doing well. So I've, I've gone for, for him. He signed his, his first professional contract last month. Um, probably a familiar name to, to a few people, probably not because of, of how he's been playing, but more because he was uh, one of those transfers around this time last year. Yes. He was he was brought in February, I think it was, signed from, from Birmingham City for a relatively small fee, but very much one of those players to, to watch out for. He, Again, was one of those that I mentioned. Stefan Bicetic was one that was signed, went into the 16s and has since moved into to the 18s. I imagine that's probably what Trent Cone-Doherty will do. That's what Callum Scanlon did sort of this time last year. This season kind of moved up to, to the under-18s. He was on the bench for the under-19s in the UEFA Youth League. Again, I've not seen loads of him, but very highly rated. An England youth international generally plays on the left-hand side as a kind of typical attacking Liverpool left-back. So, yeah, I would expect to see him become an under-18s regular, if not before the end of this season. There's not obviously loads of football left to, to mm-hmm. play at, at that level, but certainly next season, I would imagine he'll be uh, an under-18s player playing pretty much every week. And, yeah, from from what I've seen of him, one to, to be excited about. And, as I say, he's uh, one of those that has been signed from another club, which is, is always guaranteed yeah. to get a, a bit of, of attention, uh, a few extra sort of eyeballs on them. So, yeah, Callum Scanlon might want to watch this week. But it shows, really, that the progression, the conveyor belt we've been talking about all show and all season is working in action. So if you're listening, Trent Cohen-Doherty, this time, that 12 months from now, you might well be Matt's one to watch. And then from there, the sky is the limit. Matt, thank you, as always, for another fantastic show. Thank you to Owen Brown as well for joining us. And thank you all for watching. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.